You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I think it's been a good week of White Sox baseball since the last we talked. It actually has. Okay, I, I mean, I will, the, I will agree with you. We had the weekend special that I did with James Fox, but since you and I sat down with each other a week ago, this has been a great week. Well, you had a yeah, it's six and one home six stand. and one home stand. Okay, I was at um, one of the games. I went on Thursday night. I want to say right away. Fun night. I want to say thanks very much to the uh, Most Holy Redeemer Men's Club for setting it up. 40 bucks, coach bus with a bathroom on it, booze on the bus, booze on the way back. Party bus. Okay, for 40 bucks, goose island section. We had like four rows sitting there okay. during the game on a Thursday night. Sure. And and there was food, and, and then when it was all done, they pulled up right next to like Baracos and just let everybody off for the party to continue. It was done up exactly I... the way that you want one of those like... Everybody get on a bus and go drink it. I took my dad with me, and the best part was that we kind of hopped around the ballpark for the first two innings because he hadn't been up to the Revolution I thought your tap room. Da- I thought your dad wasn't spending any more money on White Sox uh, baseball. It, that it, that it, lasted about five minutes. It lasted five minutes, and they started to play well. Lucas Giolito's got him excited, so he's like, I'm doing it. So we go we go to the, uh, the Revolution tap room in, in the ballpark, and we're walking around, and some guy walks up. And what's funny is at this point... I've already been drinking it. We were standing in the parking lot drinking for an hour before we even got on the bus. I mean, it was like one of those things where by the time we got the game time, I'm, a, I'm close to a 12-pack in. We're going. Right. I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on doing anything for the podcast. See what I'm saying? I didn't bring a little recorder. I didn't bring anything to give away. I just was going wow, to the game with once. my dad. Yeah, I, I was just going to the game, with my, but I'm wearing the socks of the basement hat, and he's wearing it too. And some guy walked up in the tap room, and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, man, I listen to the show. How do I get a hat? And in my mind, I'm thinking, who would want this gross hat that I wear like 12 days a week? Like, I'm always wearing this hat. Like, I'm wearing this hat all the time. You don't want this disgusting hat that I keep on my head all the time. I'd, I'd like to get you a fresh one. But while I'm talking to him, here comes Dad, smooth as he can be, walks up. And he's like, you listen to the show? He's like, yeah, man, I listen all the time. Chris and Dave. And my dad just takes the hat off and gives it to him again. So there's a guy walking around with dad's hat. Don't worry, his is clean. I think he only puts it on when he sees me because he wants to make sure he, his son knows he supports him. But I think otherwise he just sits on a shelf. So you got a nice, clean, basically new socks in the basement hat, that listener who we bumped into at the taproom. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. And I think something really exciting is supposed to happen in the next week. I believe. Interesting. Okay. I believe that Dylan ceases here next week. I believe that the White Sox are primed for it. I think that Benuelos's start getting skipped is because they're considering the idea of bringing him up during the Washington series. It would make perfect sense for the two games on Monday and Tuesday before you get to the Yankees to get him up here in front of a home crowd and let him pitch against the team like the uh, the Washington Nationals. Now, Benetti said something a little bit. Benetti and Stone were talking a little bit about this on the Sunday game, which I watched all of. Lucas pitched. I mean, and it's just a, a, a tangent. It's really nice to have that 
appointment television now with the White Sox. Like when Lucas is pitching, it's like this is appointment TV. This is you 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 kind of stop what you're doing and you watch. But Stone and <clears throat> Benetti talked about it, and they were saying something about how the idea was they wanted to go with the four man rotation because of the two. Uh, days off in such close proximity that they wanted to keep Lucas pitching and ready on that regular rotation and that what well, they wanted to keep him pitching on that every that like five day rotation so they didn't want him to get too much time off because of the fact that he's just locked in right now well so there is that too would you be surprised if maybe I said I heard some things I made some phone calls I can't get exact confirmation but there is a buzz amongst people that work for the White Sox, that he's coming this month. That Dylan Cease is coming this month. Well, why not? And if he's coming, I mean, you're not going to... And if he's coming, you're not going to... If that's true, you're not going to pitch him against the Yankees or the Twins. Those are the only two other home series that you have this month. So it's the Nationals next Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I don't know, man. Because... And it would line up because you wouldn't have... That's the next time you'd have to pitch Benuelos. That's the next time you'd have to pitch Benuelos. I mean, look, they're not going to come out and say it if it's not official yet. Stone and Benetti aren't going to come out and say that if it's not official yet. And it does make sense to keep Giolito on his thing. But also, who's the guy you're going to replace? You're not going to take Lopez out no matter how bad he's pitching because you want to see if the guy will get better. Right. Kobe's actually been serviceable. You got Giolito, who's who's just, I mean, he's lights a Cy out. Young candidate right, right now. He's I mean, it's right crazy, now. but he's a Cy Young candidate right now. This is like the greatest thing that could have possibly happened to White Sox fans, especially when you think, Three weeks ago, when Rodon is injured, and you're like, "We're done. We're 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 going backwards in this rebuild with our pitching staff," and you see that happen, okay? And they spent too much money on Nova for them to just cut bait right now. So the guy that's going to be out is going to be Ben Whalos. I to me, there's just a few things. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's coming, but wouldn't it be the perfect time? It'd be the perfect time right now. You have you you have a team that is right at around 500. That is a bum beater. It's a bum slaying team. Right. That's what they do. We, they were, just, be, we were just talking they about beat that. They crappy teams. And the good but thing is, so there's many so many crappy, crappy teams. teams. Right. Exactly. They have an amazing chance to have like a fun summer. They're, they get to play the Royals and they get to play the Tigers and they get to play the Indians who are just crumbling. Yeah, the Indians are falling apart. Okay. I dude. mean, they are going to get Clevenger back very soon, but I mean, just that's coming apart. They're going to. They're going to move some pieces and they're going to try to get themselves reloaded as quickly as possible so they don't fall out for the next five to seven years. So I think that, I mean, the way the twins are off and running, if you're the, you're the Indians, why? You know, why, why you're not adding anybody? That's for sure. So, right. Because nobody in the central is beating that. Nobody no. in the central is beating the, the, the twins. Right. But we could beat everybody in the central handily. Right. Handily. We could beat everybody in the central. It's the reason why now with John Jay playing in double A now. It just he had his first rehab assignment. <laughs> Congratu- congratulations. Okay. And he's coming. And as much as, look, I've even said it, like, I don't want him. If the team intends to build a winning attitude and they believe that he can help, here's what makes sense. If Jay comes up and the idea is, okay, we're going to have one last shot with Yonder. Let's see if we get his buddy up here. All right. And, and Yonder actually did pretty good over the weekend when Ricky dropped him down the lineup and did what we've been saying all along is put McCann forth. The thing that the White Sox need to do, if they bring up John Jay, the best thing they could possibly do then is Jose Rondon has to be the guy that they, they clip loose. Because you've been, you've been pretty happy with what Garcia and Tilson and Cordell are giving you out in the outfield. Leary Garcia is a part of this team unless they get like an offer that they can't refuse 
where just value-wise it makes sense for the rebuild. He's a guy who's on this team in two years coming off the bench and contributing. When Jay comes in, this is what the White Sox should be doing because I think Leary is better as an infielder than he is as an outfielder. And he's actually played fairly well in the outfield. He's, recently. You know, Stone was talking about Stone was talking about that on Sunday. He, you know, they had made a point. He made some uh, Garcia did made some really nice plays in the outfield. Um, and Benetti and Stone made a point of talking about it about how yeah no when he first started playing out there, uh, Garcia that is dude was rough. He was real rough. But they have noticed a marked improvement in his uh, defense out there. There are times where he takes the wrong step. Okay, where he gets a bad first step, right? Still, but, but that, he's cutting, but that didn't, he's cutting but that down didn't, on that, right? But that yeah. didn't, right? That didn't happen this weekend. In fact, they pointed it out that that's the actual, like the opposite happened. Like normally, like they'd said, well, what he had been doing previously in this situation when the ball was hit such and such a way is he would do this. But look, see right here, and they showed the replay, and he actually did what he was supposed to. He took the right first step. So. And he's been, he's hitting, he's contributing at the top of the order. He's, he's hitting, he's hitting like 280, 290. I mean, so if you improve his defense, if, if Leori Garcia is going to keep contributing to me, what you do with Jay, not to cut you off, but to me, what you do with Jay is you roll him out there. You see if there's any value there at all. So that before the trade deadline, you see if you can get something, anything for him, a, a, a mid-level prospect, a couple of draft picks, whatever, right? right? That's that's what you do with him. If you're, you know, that's me anyway. Leary Garcia, the third highest batting average on the team coming out of the weekend, hitting 293. His OPS is just a tick under 700 at 699. And here's the thing. Look, you're going to need a couple of guys who are veterans when this young team is out there who come off the bench and fill in. I mean, think about it this way. Jay comes in and they go, okay, fine. We want to have John Jay lead off. We haven't gotten what we wanted out of the leadoff position. They're stubborn about trying out Anderson more in that spot. They uh, Garcia is not exactly what they want there. So they go, okay, we're going to have Jay lead off. Well, here's the thing. If Jay's leading off and once or twice a week, he slides into the DH spot as a leadoff and you let Garcia get a couple of games out in center and you have Garcia fill in at second base a couple times, and you have him go take Tilson out for spell him one game, and you have him play on the left side of the infield one game, you get him five or six games a week that he actually plays as a Swiss Army knife. Garcia, you're talking. Garcia, you give him a break, but I don't want them taking away all of Tilson's at bats. You see what I'm saying? Right, because Tilson, I like Charlie Tilson. Tilson, has, been con- right Tilson has been contributing too. Right, and that's my, I think White Sox fans' fear is here comes Jay. And he's going to take away Tilson's at bats. That the White Sox will do something, and it is possible they do this, where basically Garcia stays on the outfield and Jay moves into the outfield, and Tilson's sitting on the bench with Cordell, barely getting any at bats, and Yomer's always starting at second base, and then it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's a legitimate. If, well, it's a legitimate fear. It's a legitimate fear. It's a very legitimate. What you fear. hope is if he comes up that it's one of those things where they say, "No, this is what Leary really is. We want to keep him batting because he's playing well, but we want to move him around. He's that." Uh, Yomer Sanchez is behind Leary in the pecking order to be that guy at this point. And we're going to make sure that we get at bats for Tilson and we give Cordell a couple of them. Tilson's the guy I really care about the most. I want to see, I like how he plays. I just, I do. I know he doesn't have a ton of power, but that's, that's not a bad guy to have on your team. Okay. Oh, remember no, he was, a, remember he was a pretty good prospect before he had a little bit of problems early on in his minor league career. 
But I mean, this guy, this guy is the first guy acquired when we started rebuilding. He was the first thing we acquired. <laughs> then he got himself hurt. That's true. Then he That's got himself true. hurt, but he's the first thing. There's nothing that says that he can't still be somebody that you want to see out there on the field. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him. He's a local guy. He's a White Sox fan. I want to see him. Succeed. Yeah, Nutshire High School. Yeah, I, I root for a guy like that. There's so many guys you can root for on this team. There's so much fun, I think, to be had this summer. You're, you're getting, look, let's take a look at the schedule real quick. Just, just, let's just take a look at it. Every time somebody posts a schedule, like, here's what's coming up this month. What are they going to do? I go, well, they're going to have a rough time. Okay. Now they got the Nationals and the Royals here this week. They're on the road. They should do well. Okay. Okay. They should be over 500 in my opinion. They should be 500 no matter what. They got, they got these two games against the Nationals and the three against the Royals. So what is it? They it's, should be three and two. Nationals are Tuesday and Wednesday, right. and then you've got the, and then you have the Royals over the weekend. They should be three and two. And if you're, again, this goes back to my cease argument that it's possible that you might see him. You got Nationals, Royals, and then back home against the Nationals. If you play these series like you have been playing against teams that aren't super teams, that are teams that are on your level or lower than you, you should be above 500 by the time the Yankees get to town on the 13th next mm. Thursday. Yes. And if cease comes up and that's the moment where you go over 500 for the first time, ticket sales, baby. Oh, yeah. This is all about money. Ticket sales. And he's ready. I mean, you can't look at what he's doing in the minors and say, I don't think he's ready. Let's get him up here. It's the middle of the show song. 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 Chris had nothing to put here, so he put this song. It's the middle of the show song. So Steve Parazinski wrote this article a couple of weeks ago. White Sox, it's time to start trimming the fat. He writes every once in a while for the Loop Sports. Steve Parazinski, how are you, sir? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So I loved your article because it was something that we've yelled about on this show. And it made me feel good that there were other people saying the same things, that there are some guys on this team that I know we spent a lot of money on or I know we might have had plans for, but they just don't fit anymore even this early into the season. Now you named off a few guys, but since the article's a few weeks old, I kind of want I didn't want to like hold you just right to the article, but if you had to pick one guy right now on the White Sox roster that you're like DFA him, jettison him and bring up, you know, this person or make this move, what would it be right now? Yonder Alonso, hands down. The fact of the matter is he was brought in here for one reason and one reason only. People can try to sugarcoat it all they want and say that he was brought in to provide left-handed presence and professional at-bats. He was brought in as part of the Manny Machado friends and family plan to try to get Manny on a discount. That's it. He really did not have a good fit on this roster at any point. And I know I personally would have preferred seeing Daniel Polka get his at-bats. I know Polka got off to a terrible start to this year. But at this point, he's gone down to Charlotte. He's made a couple of adjustments. He's starting to walk more, put the bat on the ball with more consistency, and he's hitting the ball in the ballpark. And Polka might not be a piece of this thing going forward when it really starts to matter, but we know definitively Yonder Alonso is not. So I would much rather see Polka get those at-bats, see if the adjustments he's made in Charlotte can carry over, and see maybe he can be a piece of this thing going forward. Well, my thing is is that you look at – this team right now, and you look at a guy like Alonzo 
And your fear is, you know, I'm a White Sox fan since uh, the day I was born. I was born the same month that the first Star Wars came out in 1977. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I've been a fan for a long time. And I hate always being like, well, I've been a fan for so many years. Like that qualifies me as something. But I just want to kind of, I want to make it that clear so that everybody understands what I'm saying here. I've seen this organization before under Jerry Reinsdorf try to justify money that was bad money. And my biggest fear is we're going to try to justify this move and vest this guy. He gets 550 at bats. You're on the hook for him next year, too. And it just seems like you're playing him way too much for a team that shouldn't want him to get those 550 at bats. Exactly. I, I really couldn't agree more for an organization that really operates like a small time mom and pop shop in a major market. Um, you would think that they would do everything in their power to make sure that that option does not vest. And look, the fact of the matter is it's a sunk cost at this point. They, they have to pay him the money for 2019 here. If the if they buy out or if they DFA him, they have to pay him a million dollars to go away. It's a sunk cost at this point move on, cut your losses. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf is a very successful businessman. I mean, let's be real about this. The guy owns two professional sports teams. you got to be a very smart, educated businessman to be able to do that. And you would think that his business acumen would say, hey, it's time for me to cut my losses here and, and move on from this mistake. But for whatever the reason, when it comes to this team in particular, he just refuses to do it, and I just don't understand it. You know, another guy that's got sunk cost that the the team has egg on their face for spending money on, and I would like to see that's this is the guy I'd like to get rid of first. You you said yonder, I'd like to see Wellington Castillo be shown the door immediately. I I was so disappointed he was only on the IL for seven days. I I would have liked it if it had been like you know we're just gonna let him rest for two months and then cut him loose quietly because I don't see his purpose. And here's a guy you signed to, I think, a total of $15 million over two years. He spent 80 games suspended last year, and he comes out this year hitting under a buck 90. And that's the guy I'd want to see move on. How Do you think that they'll move on from him and Alonzo, or are they going to try to keep these guys out there until the trade deadline because they think they can get something for him? You know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I firmly agree with you when it comes to Castillo as well. Um, he doesn't really serve a purpose on this roster and he's really, he's been terrible. And let's face the facts here. You know, this team brought in James McCann to be the backup this year and McCann has supplanted him as the everyday catcher at this point. So I'm not sure what value Castillo is providing to this point. And you look down in Charlotte, Zach Collins, their first round draft pick, um, a catcher who is murdering the ball down in Charlotte. He's got an OPS over 900 playing with the, you know, the juice ball that they use the major league level there in a tiny ballpark in Charlotte, him continuing to hit home runs and put up an OPS over 900 in AAA isn't really serving a purpose. So I would say, I, I would agree with you that, hey, you know what, let's get rid of Castillo. Let's bring Collins up here. He can split times with McCann, you know, further develop his receiving and his blocking skills behind the plate. But you've also got DH at bats that you can provide him there from the left side. So I'm, I'm very much in favor of uh, getting rid of Wellington Castillo as well. The only issue that with Collins uh, from that standpoint is, you know, he would have to be added to the 40-man roster at this point here. So I could almost see a scenario where Sebi Zavala being on the 40-man already, um, if they decide to move on from Wellington here at some point in the next maybe month or two, that we might see uh, Sebi come back first before Collins comes back up. Before we get out of here, when do you think you'll see the first of these moves happen? I mean, you got to believe that at some point they're going to do something. 
Who do you think the team will actually move on from first, and when do you think that'll be? You know, if I had to guess as far as who uh, they were going to move on from first, I would say it probably would be um, Wellington Castillo, just because of the fact that, uh, like I said, you do have Sebi Zavala, a guy that is on the 40-man roster right now, so it wouldn't require that much roster manipulation for it. Um, you know, Sebi would just slide right into uh, Wellington's spot. So if I had to guess, that's what, that's the direction I would think that they would go here. And, you know, like I said, time frame-wise, um, I think it makes sense to do it now. I mean, they're, they're really not getting anything out of Wellington at all right now here. Um, but I would think maybe, maybe another month or so we might start to see that happen. That's Steve Parodzinski. I appreciate you coming on, Steve. He writes for the Loop Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at NWI Steve. Is that is, am I saying that right? Is that your Twitter handle? Yes, you nailed it. Thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, guys. Anytime. Have a great night. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. Hey, fellas, love the show. You gotta go Anderson, Mancata, Abreu, Can, Jimenez, Garcia. Alonzo, Tilson, Sanchez. That's the batting order. Eight-year-olds could do it, okay? Maybe even move Anderson up behind Jimenez. He needs some protection. The guy's a clown. Keep the show going. Frustrating year for the Sox as usual. Never gone to a game. Usually go to about 15. I I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. All right, fellas. Bye. But your moments for excitement that are coming. This is this. what's happened over the last week and what's going to happen over the next 10 days. This is, this is a big moment for White Sox fans to get excited. The front office just had a very successful draft. Yes, they did. Uh, we were talking about that. At least at least to kick things off. I mean, the draft lasts forever, but Andrew Vaughn was a nice pick. And I, and I know we had James Fox on it, and I was like, well, C.J. Abrams, but we he said it on the show. You can go back and listen to him. If they take Vaughn, I can't be upset. The guy can hit. And then the more you read about the guy, man, the guy hits. I mean, he just gets up and hits. He just—that's all he, he comes, does. He came his, on and he came on an interview. He's like, "I love to hit." Yeah, he's, like that's that's his thing. His swing is incredible. When he's hitting a single or he's hitting a bomb, it's the same swing. It's just the most beautiful, flowing swing. I'm in love with the swing. I watch his swing. I get tingles on my arms and my and my back. A feeling that I haven't had since I was a young man. Okay, <laughs> I mean, like this is. I mean, like his his swing is just insane and. He looks like, and, and that's the thing. Everybody wants to start saying, well, he's 5'11". Well, he's he's a right-handed hitter. Frank Thomas was a oh, right-handed so hitter. Jeff Bagwell was short. See what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Who, who cares? No, you know, I read an article on CBS Sox, Sports where they were like, well, he's not a left-handed first baseman. There's only three of them currently playing in the league or something oh, like that. I, yeah, so I don't what? care. Dude, Paul, Paul Canerco was, you know, Paul Canerco was, was a righty. A righty. He, was a righty. he was not exactly tall in stature either. I mean, Canerco was only six foot. And he was a terrible runner. Terrible runner. He's the worst at running. No, the Sox did the right thing. I listen. Whenever you talk to, whenever you talk to me about <clears throat> like baseball or hockey, because hockey is the other sport I follow pretty religiously. You know, and 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 not to get off on that, but the the Hawks are in a similar situation where it's they they get the third pick, and everybody's kind of talking. And and I, I the reason I bring it up is because the Sox and and Hawks were so similar, and and my stance, at least in their draft pick 
uh, this year. My stance is best player available. Go get the best player available. You know, don't try to get cute with, oh, we want to take a local guy or, oh, you know, we want to try to get this because this is what we think we're going to need. No, get, get the best player. Well, I was which, is what, which is what the Sox, I think, did. I was intrigued by Abrams because he has a higher ceiling. But after the pick was done and you see the interview of Vaughn and then you see the interview on TV of Abrams, you realize that Vaughn is a grown man <laughs> who's ready to go to the major leagues right now. And Abrams is a project that you don't know if he's going to be great or not. Yeah, And for a team that right now has had so many issues with prospects not panning out, they wanted the (laughs) sure thing, and I'm okay with that. Right, You're not going to be picking third overall for a long time, hopefully. They were projecting that... They were projecting that Vaughn was going to pretty much just shoot right through the minor system. James Fox tweeted out already, 2020. Really? Yeah, he said it was late 2020 because I think he's trying to be conservative. But here's a guy you should shoot through quickly. So now let me ask you this, because this is is important now, and this comes back around to something that we've talked about. So you've you've drafted now a first baseman, DH, who is projected to – Shoot through your minor leagues and be here some point in 2020. What are you doing with Alonzo? You still got to get rid of him. You still got to get rid of him. No, but why why are, you know, but at this point. At this point, he shouldn't get enough at-bats to vest. Right. And he shouldn't be on the team next year because there's plenty of other bats that you want to see next year before this kid gets here. Because guess what? You're going to re-sign Abreu. You're going to re-sign Jose Abreu. Yes, you are. And and eventually Abreu could become like a DH because this kid's got better legs and Abreu's kind of playing first, spelling the kid in a couple years. See what I'm saying? But you're going to re-sign him. Alonzo has no fit on this team. So why Once is the he, trade uh, deadline why, hits, he shouldn't be batting here anymore if he's still on the team. He should be barely playing. Right, but that's what I'm saying. He is still out there every single day. Right. I mean, he's going to get that 550 at bat. He's not going to get the 550 if they get to the trade deadline and then they do an about face and they barely play him. He's not. Well, I really hope, right that's, now the I really average, hope that's what right the plan is, Right now, the is, average Chris. amount of at-bats that everybody's at at this point in Major League Baseball is about 180 to 200. I, I, I'd have to look up how many at-bats that he has. Last time I looked, he was around 180. He's at 193. 193, okay. So he's around 200 at-bats. Okay. Okay, so he's not quite halfway there. So you could very easily say, all right, he's going to play June, he's going to play July, he's going to be at about 400 at-bats. And then if he's not dealt... You barely you bench use him. him. You bench him. Or you yeah. DFA him. Right. You no, just I drop just, him. I, I, we've talked about this before. My, He's a $1 million buyout if you just drop him. My, what I dread, what I dread is that they don't trade this guy and he vests. And then they're like, that's, whoa, we've got to chase the bad money. Like they've been chasing Castillo's bad money. Yes. Right. That's my, that's my fear. And Sox fans, you should fear this too. So well, that's the scariest thing about this team is because there has to be a point where that doesn't matter anymore or you're just delaying your development as a team. Look, this team, this team wanted Manny Machado badly and they didn't get Manny Machado and we've gone over it at great lengths. And the problem is there are two reminders of the biggest failure that they've had in the last several years sitting on the team. <laughs> right. Jay because and Alonzo. Overall, you can't be too upset about everything else that they've done. If the buzz would have never happened about Machado, if Rick Hahn comes out early on in the offseason and says it's not time yet, people would have accepted that. Some people would have said that's crazy, but people wouldn't have been screaming about it. A whole fan base wouldn't have fallen apart over the whole thing. 
People would have accepted that. They would have been like, we're still in a rebuild. It's only year three of a rebuild. And, and, and then this team comes out currently constructed the way that it is. And instead of getting two of Manny's buddies, you would have gotten a guy like Adam Jones, or you would have gotten a guy like Marwan Gonzalez, or you could have gotten many of the other guys that were around during the time that you were all in on Manny. Right. And fill that in with this team that has developed the way that team has developed this year with Anderson and Moncada breaking out with Jimenez now up and the fans see that, okay, well, he's not doing great, but Everybody goes through growing pains. Right. That's what first, happens. I still think the guy's going to hit. <clears throat> it's I, his first year. I gave Moncada a chance. I'm giving this guy a chance. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And then, and then you get you you get the Giolito explode like the arms change and things happen this year and you're playing at about 500. If you didn't have those two reminders sitting on this team, well, the, uh, no, there would be see, far less thing. complaining here, about the White. Here's Sox. the thing. It's more it's more that too. You really dropped the ball with in free agency with your pitching. You okay. really did. I right. mean, so, so with me, I get, I see, I get annoyed. But you would excuse I get it a- if it was a re, you excuse it if you were like, we're just rebuilding because we are, we are still rebuilding. You'd be like, okay, we screwed up on Nova, but it's a one year deal. I get annoyed because with any sort of consistent, decent pitching staff outside of Giolito, this team is a lot. This team's a lot better than where it is right now. Well, I, I understand it, but I don't think you expected Rodon to get injured. And when you traded for, for um, Nova, you expected better. I mean, look, his stats showed that he was a better pitcher than he's pitching. Right. Okay. I like that deal. I'm not going to turn around and tell you I didn't like that deal. I like the Nova deal. I was excited about it. We talked about it because you were sitting there saying, okay, Lopez is going to take the next step. You believed in that. You felt honestly that Giolito was just trying to make the staff. He's the biggest surprise of the year. Right. Okay. And you expected Rodan to finally be that guy. Well, he gets he, he well, isn't the, he three, isn't the guy. Two, two out of the three things didn't happen. Right. He isn't the guy. Lopez is having a rough time. Giolito comes out of nowhere. N- Nova's not having a good year. But I don't I don't stake the whole thing on the Nova move. You know what I'm saying? No, but you know, again, I the, the Nova move it didn't work out. <sighs> I keep coming back to the, you know, the Irvin Santana thing, man. No, like, it, it was, over. it was, on, but dude. it was, You're, but you could have gotten but, so much okay, better but than they, that. But that you really could have. The problem was that this, this team, unfortunately, was shell shocked after the Machado thing. Just shell shocked. They didn't know what to do with themselves. They made poor decisions from right around the Machado thing not working out until the season started. They're starting to get good decisions now. They're like, okay. they're well. like, they were like, they were like down in the dumps. Now we've got our nice draft pick. We're at around 500. Our manager is finally starting to figure out that maybe James McCann is an everyday player. I mean, you know, maybe we drop Alonzo down a couple times in the order. I mean, like, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope that even though we all saw the problems two months ago, they're finally seeing the problem. Well, let's let's hope so. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is basement. And the nude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks. It's gonna be a good one. Nudie's basement. Broadcast basement. The Nudie's basement. The broad basement. 
Flancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.